Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Welcome to another podcast. Most of this was recorded last night uh, in the aftermath of the 1-0 win over Napoli, uh, which gives us a Europa League semi-final against Valencia. Myself and Andrew Allen had a good chat about the game and then we did some some questions that we took from the Arsblog members on Patreon, the Discord chat server. We took some questions from there and, and dealt with a few of those. So most of it was recorded last night. I'm sitting here this morning finding it a little bit weird recording a, an Arscast regular first thing in the morning. I don't know. I associate this recording with afternoon and evening and I'm sitting here doing it uh, in the morning. So that's that's a little bit strange. And also a little bit strange was what happened last night. While we were recording, just as I started recording, it was brought to my attention that the next door neighbor's roof was on fire. Seriously, uh, he has this uh, in his back garden. He's got this kind of cabana type thing. I don't know. It's Is it a... How you call it? It looks like it's sort of thatched, like a Hawaiian cabana thing where there's a little bar and everything. It's very cool. But I thought that had caught fire somehow. Actually, what had happened was it was the back of his house. And uh, I think it could have been a light or something, uh, an electrical fault. But basically, the back of his house was going on fire. And the people there didn't seem particularly capable of doing anything about it. So uh, I managed to get a couple of buckets of water and throw it over the wall and and put the fire out. But it's quite surreal. Hang on, I'll just put this fire out, then come back upstairs and do a podcast. It was that kind of a thing. But uh, I guess it's a a reminder that I've got to get a fire extinguisher in this house and uh, a reminder for next door that they need to get a fire extinguisher too. Oh, strange business. Strange business. Anyway, I I might just leave the... 
the waffle here for now and uh, let's go into the into the podcast chat with andrew about the game last night and lots more besides so uh yeah here let's do it Right, joining me now on the Arscast to discuss our impressive, I think, 1-0 win over Napoli in the Europa League, which puts us into the Europa League semi-finals. Andrew Allen, good evening to you. Good evening. We are recording, I, I guess, maybe half an hour after the final whistle, so these are measured, considered thoughts based on what we've seen. But can we can we talk a little bit about what you thought was going to happen tonight uh we've been chatting offline you know on on whatsapp or gmail chat or whatever it was and you it would be fair to say you weren't that confident about our chances of going through you were perhaps envisaging things going quite wrong yeah i mean i i guess i just slightly haunted by previous occasions where we've not even just completely messed it up but just kind of frightened me um, I kept thinking back to that Villarreal semi-final years ago when all we had to do was trying to get through the game and then we gave away that penalty in the last second and I know we came through it. But uh, Andrew, um, can you just hang on one second because my neighbour's roof is on fire. What? I swear to God, I'm just looking out the back window. Okay. He's got like a little cabana thing out the back and it's on fire so I better just go tell him. Yeah, So b- bear with me. <laughs> Hi, I'm back. Hello. Um, just for just, right? yeah, well, just for people because I'm going to leave this in the podcast. Apart from like the big gap of <laughs> five and a half minutes when I've been out putting out a fire on my neighbor's roof, the corner of his roof. He's you know, it's got like a flat roof, you know, with the kind of felt or whatever type of material is on it. Yeah. But it was on fire, and there was wiring, and then. The, someone was trying to just throw a bucket of water on it from underneath it, and I was able to get up on the wall beside us and and throw out a couple of buckets of water <laughs> on it to put it out. But Jesus Christ, it was on that's fire. A, that's an unusual. Well, it's an unusual in any situation. <laughs> it is anyway. Uh, as far as I can tell, the house is is all right now. So okay. there you go. Um, um, I've I've very slightly lost my train of thought here. We were talking <laughs> what about your Perhaps um, uh, less than optimistic pre-game. Yes, that's exactly uh, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I wasn't. I wasn't feeling overly optimistic. It has to be said. I mean, I guess you know, you look at our away form this season. You look at the way we've occasionally played away from home in big games um, in, in in recent years, and basically, all I wanted was for us not to shit the bed, and that really meant that we had to start well and the preparation seemed to go well from the fact that he picked an attacking team from, from the get go. I was so pleased to see that he kind of set the marker like that, you know, 
What what did you make of the the fact that he played the two strikers? I wasn't necessarily expecting that, but you know, in hindsight, when I saw the team, I thought, okay, I can see what he's doing here. He's he's using his two forwards. He's got Ramsey in behind. He's got uh, Torreira and Jack in midfield to kind of. Uh, pull the strings a bit and then we've got our wing backs to get forward and do what we want the wing backs to do I, I thought we started pretty brightly Napoli came back into it and I'll, I'll talk to you in a moment about some of the some of the performances and and the passing numbers in particular which are bizarre um when I looked at them doing the player ratings for Arsbog News I, I thought maybe I'd looked in the stat zone app and it was only 10 minutes into the game but uh you know it was a really bright start from us and um, the away goal, which uh, Alexander Lacazette scored, after that, I think it pretty much killed the game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that first goal was always going to be absolutely vital. And if we got it, like, I guess it was kind of game game set and match. And yeah. I thought we just did so well to kind of marshal all the way through the game. I mean, we look, we were helped by the fact that their finishing was absolutely terrible. I mean, it was almost like make-believe it was so bad some of their finishing especially by the end they were literally just hacking the ball into row z but um look we 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 took that chance brilliantly and uh, you know i i expected lacazette to start i just thought he might be up front on his own i thought he might put a on the on the left instead of having a bamiyang on the pitch but you know you look at the way the game played out and ramsey pushed so far forward from the from from the start i mean he was really pressing so high um, leaving quite a big gap, I guess, between him and 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 Jacka and Torreira, but mm. those two also started to push higher and higher, and we were winning so many balls up the up the front end of the pitch in the first fifteen minutes. You were like, oh my god, if we can keep this up, we're actually onto something. Yeah, I, I, um, you make a good point about Ramsey and how high he played up, and very interestingly, our highest pass combination in the entire game was Kolasinac to Ramsey, and Ramsey only lasted half an hour, which which tells you a little bit about how the rest of the game went, but also, you know, where Ramsey was playing and what he was trying to do in those areas of the pitch. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the weird thing was, is actually I I wasn't frustrated, maybe, frustrated is the wrong word, but the quality of the passing in the final third and the first 15, 20 minutes Mm. didn't necessarily match the kind of intensity of the pressing like we were getting the ball but then we were kind of like the ball was sort of bouncing off us a little bit particularly Lacazette I felt like he couldn't quite get the ball under control the final pass wasn't always there Mm. we didn't really create any kind of obviously clear opportunities Um, but the fact was we were playing the game in their you know in in and around their box which just makes such a massive difference when you start a game like that you know that if an early goal goes against you the whole mood yeah. you know, just completely changes. Yeah. Um, just to reiterate this passing thing, Kolasinac was involved in our uh, four of our five uh, best pass combinations. Kolasinac to Ramsey nine times, Kolasinac to Lacazette seven times, Kolasinac to Aubameyang six times, Kolasinac to Iwobi five times. And amazingly, Kolasinac, for a guy who's very often way down the list when it comes to the passing numbers, he was the guy who made more passes than anyone else. And just to to sort of highlight what I was talking about when I was doing the, the player ratings, I had a look at Koscielny's um, passes and Socrates. And these are centre-halves who are really comfortable on the ball. Uh, you know, they'll easily do 50, 60, 70 passes in some games. Koscielny, uh, I have to go back here just to make sure I'm absolutely right about this, going to the individual player stats. Um, Koscielny made seven successful passes in the entire game. What? Uh, yeah, seven successful passes in the entire game. 
Um, just to put that in context, he made eight clearances. So he made more clearances than he made successful passes in the game. Uh, Socrates made 10 passes in the entire game. I think he made something like seven or eight clearances as well. So it, it really illustrates what we what way the game played out I think you know it wasn't that we had to dominate possession we didn't have a lot of possession particularly in the second half because as soon as we scored the goal it was basically well you know they have to score four times let's mm. just let them get on with it and most of what they did was was pretty terrible so it wasn't the sort of game where we had to have the ball and it wasn't the sort of game where we wanted the ball but I thought that was remarkable you know for Koscielny uh, who I thought was great in terms of what he did defensively you know he, he made his tackles his clearances interceptions and blocks he he read the game very well but with the ball at his feet, he didn't do an awful lot. He didn't need to do an awful lot. I mean, I think there was one point in the second half where he just he just looked up, didn't see anything, and just clumped it forward <laughs> with like his his left foot. You know, it was just yeah, oh, here, here you go, have it back, see what you can do with that. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, last night we saw was it Wanyama just hacking the ball out with about two three minutes to go, and mm. it kind of there were moments in the game today where I was just like, you can see they're thinking the same thing, just get it as far away as possible. Um, I mean the. the Genuinely, I mean, I thought that was probably one of the most mature performances I've seen from an Arsenal team in quite some time. Um, were you were you maybe a little bit surprised at how poor Napoli were? Because I have to say, over the course of two legs, I I am a little bit, you know, and I expected more from them. Uh, certainly in this game, I expected a bit more intensity. Uh, mm. You know, when we scored the goal, obviously it had a big, big impact on on their mentality because they knew they were going to have to score four times. And, you know, the way they were playing, they couldn't hit a cow's arse with a banjo if they played until mm. next week. So you can understand why they played. You know, they looked a little bit kind of fuck, going through the motions. But, you know, when, when we drew Napoli, a lot of people were like, uh-oh, shit, you know, we're going to get found out here. And from what we've seen over the course of the two legs, is that we're a far better side than Napoli, in my opinion, anyway, based on what the what we've seen on the pitch and the performances. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I don't doubt that at all. I mean, I think what, what, when we played them six years ago or five, six years ago, when they had Higuain up front and they had Hamzik in the team, they struck me as a kind of like two players who were kind of more noteworthy kind of pinnacles of all of their play. Whereas I looked at what they had today and, you know, Milic, although I know he's quite a good player and he scored a fair few goals for them, yeah. he doesn't get sort of shadow of, of Higuain in his pomp. Insigne just looks, you know... He, he's tiny, isn't he's he? He's so small. I mean, the, <laughs> Arsenal, the Arsenal players kind of must have looked at that and gone, look, we've had Troy Deeney last week. I think we can deal with you. Yeah, um, I, I was looking at the know. teams lining up, uh, you know, when they do the camera across and you could see all the Arsenal players standing there. And then I was going, who's the fucking mascot? With the captain's yeah, armband. Yeah. He literally looked about, well, he was about a foot smaller than the goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I made a point in the, uh, in the match report, but I'm almost certain that whatever was said between him and Ancelotti will be making big news over there kind of tomorrow. I mean, for him, to, the captain, to be taken off and then to have a strop like that, you know, you know it's going to cause issues. But yeah. he's just a horrible little gobshite in senior, you know. He's not, <laughs> he's, not, he's not all that. No, I would agree. I agree. And, you know, uh, he was somebody who I think if he if they were going to have a chance, he was going to have to, you know, he was going to have to really shine. And all he did really was, 
you know, for two games was run offside and then get substituted mm. and kick the ball away. I mean, kicking the yeah. ball away was the was the the highlight of his night, apart from standing there looking like a grumpy little fucker on on the touchline after he got taken off. So let's talk about the goal. Um, Alexandra Lacazette with a free kick. I'm not sure I was expecting him to do that. I I think it looks a very good goal. I do. Uh, I do have a lot of time for it. I have a lot of time for him stepping up on the big stage and, and making a big contribution like that. I think it's it's hugely important, and, and we've touched on just how crucial that goal was for the way the rest of the game played out. But, you know, I think there's an element of the goalkeeper not covering himself in glory here as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the replay showed he took a kind of step to the right and then kind of left himself flat-footed and couldn't go back left, which is, you know, something that the whole goalkeeper in the FA Cup final did, right? You know, when Gonzalo sort of curled it over Mm. him. But, you know, that that split second can make all the difference when you're a keeper and you're facing a a decent effort. And it definitely, I mean, look, it it was a great strike. Um, It was actually further out when I looked at the replay, further out than I realised it was. I thought initially it was kind of, sort of edge of the box, but it's a good sort of 10 yards outside the box. Yeah. Um, but he strikes the ball really nicely, Lacazette. You know, I think I look at that team and I think sometimes when Xhaka steps up, it's kind of more hope than expectation, as it were, when he, he takes our free kicks. And, you know, Aubameyang doesn't necessarily strike the ball quite as nicely. And, you know, I, I think actually he's probably the most kind of natural kind of player we have, particularly for curling efforts like that. Yeah. Um, and he said after the game, actually, that he'd been practicing and he's got the trust of all of his teammates. So I wasn't overly surprised that it was him over Xhaka to take it. But it was it was dead centre, so it could have been either of them. Yeah, true. Uh, you know, the, the goalkeeper, you know, it went in the side that he was supposed to be covering. He took a step because I assume he thought Lacazette was going was gonna to put it over the wall. And he does look a little bit stupid, but, you know, quality strike on target. Um, and if you do that, you've got you've got a chance. So a, a really big goal. I mean, I think in general there were elements of his game that I, I looked at him and thought, you know, is he quite there? Is he a hundred percent? Is he a little bit under the weather? You know, you think about last season when we had similar-ish kind of performances from him, and then all of a sudden we discovered he, you know, he had a knee injury. Um, and he'd been carrying something. So I worry a little bit about that from that point of view. You know, he was taken off after about an hour. He didn't look necessarily that happy. He never does, you know, particularly look happy mm. when he's when he's taken off and nor should he. But I wonder, are we kind of protecting him a little bit because he didn't play against um, Watford on Monday night? And there might have been other reasons for that. But it feels like we might just be nursing him through something. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I think what's been really interesting in the kind of post-Wenger era is watching Unai Emery make very tactical decisions during the game, whether that be tactical because of the way a game's playing out or just, you know, for the individual player. Because I thought actually, you know, Xhaka being, knowing that Xhaka is on a booking and if he got another booking, he'd miss a semi-final. That there was mm. a very sensible decision to make in a, in a game that was won. But it's not the type of decision I think Unai Emery, uh, sorry, Arsene Wenger would have made. You know, Arsene was always quite prone to sort of just leaving all of his best players and hoping for the best in occasions. And I think Unai's kind of a bit more, I think he does start looking to the next game and the next game and the next game. I mean, they always say we focus on the 90 minutes, blah, blah, blah. But I, I do think he's, he's he and the, and the medical team actually over the last few weeks have done really well at trying to balance who's playing what games and when. And mm. they do seem to have a plan, which is more two, three games in advance, not just one, 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 one. Um, so I've been impressed by that. It's, it seems to be playing off. I mean, Obviously, the Ramsey injury, which I'm sure we'll get on to, 
um, was, a, was a bit of a downer. But by and large, at this time of the season, for us to have most of our players fit, I know we've got a few long-term ones, but we haven't really had any new injuries coming up at this point, except for this new one. Um, <laughs> it's been good. You know, yeah, it's been a positive. It has. Uh, let's talk Ramsey then, because... Uh... You know, we know that in recent weeks he's been playing a lot. We know that, uh, what game was it? It was the Everton game, wasn't it? Where he didn't start and everyone was going mad that he didn't start because, well, you know, you felt like we needed him when you were fielding a midfield of Ganduzi and El Nani away from home. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's easy to pine for, for, for better and Aaron Ramsey is obviously that. Um, Maybe we're seeing those, there was method in that particular madness. He did say he wasn't able to do 90 minutes. He played against Watford the other night. Uh, and here he is again in an important game where we needed him. Uh, and you can understand why he was picked. Uh, but, you know, maybe it's maybe it's just that thing with, with Aaron that when he plays a bit too much and when he gets a little bit too much into that red zone, some mm. kind of muscular strain is inevitable. Yeah, and then this is coming off the back of a season when he's not played nearly as much football as last year. Um, so, we'll, I mean, it must be incredibly frustrating for him because honestly, that looks like it could potentially be sort of an, an eight-week injury, right? I mean, in normal circumstances, you might say that's that's your season over and done and dusted. But I think in the circumstances, given that you know there's potentially a final on the horizon that could extend the season out into nearly nearly june isn't it i mean the final's really late in may a good couple of yeah. weeks after the premier league season um he'll be going through absolutely desperate you know treatment hoping that he can somehow have a, a farewell either at the emirates or or in in baku um he's not going to want this to be his last game for arsenal because no you know, he's made such a massive contribution to the club and to not get the goodbye that he definitely deserves would be a real shame. It would. Um, you know, if it's just a mild hamstring strain, we are looking at three weeks. Mm. You know, regularly that's that's what happens. And we're now the 18th of April. Our final league game is the, uh, what is it, the 4th of, 4th of May. Um no, it's not. It's the 12th of May. So, you know, yeah. he, he could get back for that game against Burnley. That's not at the Emirates. 4th of May against Brighton, not impossible, you know, for him to play a game there. But, you know, we've got a, a Europa League semi final now as well. There's the 2nd of May and the 9th of May uh, at home first to Valencia, then away in Valencia on the 9th of May. So, you know, he could be looking at that game certainly as, as one to make his comeback in if he is out for, for just three weeks. If it's maybe a bit more serious and we do get through against Valencia, there is the possibility, of course, that the, the, the final on the 29th of May could, uh, you know, could be his, his final game for us. Um, just in terms of what Emery did on the night, were you surprised in any way that he put on Mkhitaryan? Because I, I, it felt a bit more like for like. I mean, the option, the other option, I think, was, was Mesut Ozil, wasn't it? And if the game plan is to play with somebody like Ramsey, uh, in that position, then Mkhitaryan is a bit more like him in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wasn't really at all surprised that he, he went for, for Mickey. Um, I think he quite likes that Mickey's a bit of a dribbler. He carries the ball. And, you know, in a game like that, you kind of, you sometimes need people to kind of burst out of a tackle. And I think you look back to the Spurs game away at Wembley where he played really well in that kind of environment. Mm. Um, I think that's probably what set him up. The thing with Mkhitaryan is he's just so ridiculously inconsistent. Um, he's an incredibly frustrating player to watch, and I can understand why Manchester United fans kind of, 
weren't that fussed about him leaving in the end because you just you genuinely never know what you're going to get with him even in the course of 90 minutes you know he created that fantastic chance for Aubameyang which yeah, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. I think I think Aubameyang should have scored uh you know it, it was uh it was right there for him I, I do think that the keeper made a brilliant save you know the way he came out oh, yeah, and spread yeah, himself yeah. you know I think uh you know Aubameyang made a decision and the keeper read it and made a, a really really good save but you know it was a it was a perfect pass from Mkhitaryan and then there are other moments in the game where you know he can't hang on to the ball or he can't give the right pass but you know there were moments late on I think when he filled in for Maitland Niles so just in terms of what he did um you know I think he did most things well but yeah the the inconsistency isn't just you know from one game to the next it can be in one half to another, you know? Yeah. I mean, he strikes me as being something of a confidence player. He doesn't, you know, like players we've had in the past, he, he kind of tends to sort of drop his head and his shoulders a little bit if things aren't mm. going well. But, um, you know, he's he can take heart from his performance tonight. I mean, I genuinely feel like he missed a couple of real sitters against Watford on Monday. So, you know, hopefully he's put that behind him and he can continue this into the next game because it's going to be vital that we win again on Sunday now. Yes, it is. Um, all in all, though, I think we should be talking about a very controlled, professional, polished kind of Arsenal performance, even if we were we were quite happy, I think, weren't we, in the final half an hour in particular, to sit very deep and let Napoli have it because they never really looked that threatening. We made a lot of tackles, a lot of clearances. We won headers from set pieces. I know they had a couple of chances, but, you know, there was nothing that you would say was particularly guilt-edged in that second half. There was one, wasn't there, where it went through and I think it hit Milik on his, his hind leg and, and bounced yeah, away. Yeah. And there was the one off Monreal, which went straight at check. But, you know, that's, that's not really a Napoli chance. You know, we... We have this ability, I think, under Emery, when we do go ahead uh, in these big games, we have an ability to be able to to see out those games and see out those results. Well, look, I mean, to, to take a clean sheet away from home against a team that has a tremendous home record, no matter what the circumstances, mm. is something that we can take huge confidence from. Um, to, to, to have that off the back of another clean sheet away from home uh, on Monday... And knowing that we have big games against Wolves and Leicester coming up, I mean, it's a huge thing to take away. And and to be able to like believe as a unit that you can implement a game plan as we did this evening is 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 so important, so so important. I think there's real belief to take from this two legs. I feel like we've kind of matured. I feel like Emery's kind of, you know, can rightly earn himself some plaudits off the back of how he's kind of traversed these two games. Um, Genuinely, I mean, really just mature performances all over the pitch. You know, I I, I just wanted to say a couple of words about Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who I thought was tremendous. Yeah. You know, a guy who's playing, I guess, continues to be out of position on that right wing back position. But then maybe it isn't out of position anymore because he's really making it his own. And like his 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 dual ability, his ability in the tackle is, is great. He's He seems to be developing more kind of gumption when he's going forward you know he likes to charge down the down the wing and I think actually in the first five ten minutes he had one effort like that where he stole the ball and burst down to the byline which I was just like that's you know that's exactly what we need tonight um so good on him and 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 good on the defense I think it was really interesting that he obviously went with Monreal over Mustafi in the circumstances um I, I do wonder if Sunday played a part in that you know I think he needs some fresh legs on Sunday um 
he might look at Mustafi, yeah, yeah. you know, as, as a player who can play against Crystal Palace. I think, you know, he would have looked at this game on paper and said, I need Koscielny, I need Socrates. Socrates can't play on Sunday anyway. Um, you know, as a back three, I think, I think you can very easily shift that back three if you bring Mustafi into it, for example. The, uh, in place of Monreal, Mustafi can play on the right, Socrates in the middle, Koscielny on the left. You know, I don't think it, it, it disrupts it that much, but I think he, he was sort of looking ahead to, mm. um, uh, to Sunday. But also, I do think that that's probably the best threesome that we have anyway. Uh, and for a big game like this, uh, you know, he's picked it. And just when we talk about our defence, and it has been an issue this season, there's no question. Um, the Everton thing is still a bit fresh in the memory, but since we lost to Ren 3-1 with 10 men, we've played seven games. We've won six of them. The only goal we've conceded was against Everton. So it's six clean sheets out of seven games. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, that's a, that's a turnaround, right? I mean, that yeah. is that's that's amazing at this time of the season for us to be able to kind of, you know, pinpoint a problem and just go, we're going to fix it and then start working on it. I mean, it, we, we needed it. I mean, Jesus, our, our defensive record earlier in the season was ridiculous. It felt like pretty much any team at any moment would go and score against us. So, mm. um, yeah, timely. Timely indeed. Let's hope they can. Uh, let's hope they can keep it up. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little bit of a break here. I'm just going to check that uh, nothing else is on fire, um, and, and then we're going to come back. We're going to take some questions from the uh, the Arsblog Patreon Discord server. Some of the guys on there. If you're an Arsblog member on Patreon, you get to ask the questions. Uh, they've asked a few questions. We'll go through some of those uh, in part two um, right after this little break. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. 
Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. We're back after that little break. I don't know if anything happened in that little break or not. Maybe it was just silence. Maybe just a moment of silence is all we need to reflect on whatever. Uh, we can reflect on why Nacho Monreal went off the pitch in that second half. I mean, I can only think that he needed to have a poo. That is, That would appear to be what Twitter is saying. That's got to be the only reason a footballer leaves the pitch in the middle of a game because he's got a stomach upset and he needs to go and just make sure he doesn't, you know, do a Gary Lineker on the pitch. Can you imagine though, like, I mean, if Arsenal had conceded and he came back on and he kind of had to tell everyone? I guess they would have known, you know, kind of beforehand, I've got a dicky stomach here. There's every possibility I might have to go go off and, uh, you know, have a number two. I mean, yeah. maybe there's another. I don't know. Maybe there's another reason, but I can't think about it. If you're going to be, if you're going to vomit, you just vomit. Yeah, of course. Players vomit I mean, on the pitch. He'd be a very bold player. He took a shit on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, Gary Lineker. <laughs> At least he sat yeah, down. Well. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going to go through some questions here very quickly. Chiefinho says, "How depressing was tonight's result?" Alternative question, how amazing was tonight's result? Delete as appropriate because he left that before the game. So it was amazing. Uh, Chief Inyo, thank you there. Uh, this one comes, they're hard to read the names here. I think it's Boff, B-O-F-H, says, how far have we come since the end of last season? Uh, what surprised you this season the most, good or bad? What's been the biggest surprise for you? Um, well, I, honestly, I think the biggest surprise is the fact that we are basically still competing on two fronts for a place in the Champions League and there's really not that much of the season left. I honestly, I thought maybe one, maybe the other, but for us to be in really strong positions going for, for both on the, in the league and, and, and also in this competition, I think, I think that's actually really, really impressive. I mean, I know that this was the aim that was set out by the club for Emery, but I thought we might struggle. And mm. I know we, we, we started well, you know, we, we had that 22 game run unbeaten streak at one point, but then we really wobbled. And I thought that in the league in particular, that the, the other teams around us might, you know, open up a bit of a gap, but we've kind of clung on in there. And it's not like we're behind them. We're actually kind of right in the mix at the moment. So I mean, yeah. that's that's great, really. I, I actually think that our, not necessarily our ability to cope without Hector Bellerin, Rob Holding and Danny Welbeck, but the fact that we've kind of found solutions, mm. I think that's what surprised me because if you were to take those players away from another manager in the league, maybe they wouldn't do as well. And when you consider how much is going on with Emery in his first season in England and, and what a job he's come into and, you know, to take over from someone like Arsene Wenger and how difficult that is. And, you know, we weren't necessarily in the best shape uh, when Arsene left. So I think, you know, to be here in, what have we got, five games left in the Premier League, is it? One, mm. two, three, four? 
five, yeah, you know, to be in in the top four with every possibility of of staying there. Um, and here we are into the semi-final of a European competition with a manager who knows how to go the distance in, in this particular competition. I'm, you know, I think that's pleasantly surprising. I don't think there's been anything madly out of the ordinary or wow, I can't believe that um, kind of surprising. Maybe Koscielny, you could you could say. Is yeah, a surprise. I mean, his return has been mm. unbelievable, really. I mean, mm. his form is second to none. I mean, you want him first name on the team sheet every week at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only other thing I'd say, not surprising, it's just we're getting used to the new ways of doing things. I guess there were some things that became very, very, very predictable. And I was worried, I guess, with some of our waveform that we were becoming lamentably predictable in the way that we kept fluffing things up. But we seem to have come out the other side of it in the last couple of games. So that's yeah. um, Here is a question from Jat307, uh, who says... In last night's Champions League match, VAR made Spurs happy twice. Add this to Arsenal using Jens uh, to red in the Champions League final. The years have only been drawn in knockouts against Barcelona and Bayern Munich at their individual peaks. And it's clear that Gunnar should be booing the Champions League anthem rather than the spoiled plastic Man City fans, except we aren't classless. My question is, if Liverpool versus Spurs in Madrid in late May is happening, what size meteor do we root for? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, it, apparently, I was I was reading the other day that Elon Musk is joining forces with with NASA to kind of work on some meteor um, diverting technology or something, and it would require quite a big meteor to to, to cause some damage. But um, yeah, I don't know. Pretty really, big. I mean, has, has he not got better things to do? Well, I, who knows? It's just. It's basically the uh, the plot to that Armageddon yeah, movie. Yeah, Armageddon, exactly. Yeah, just send <laughs> fucking send up. What were they? Miners or something? I can't remember. They were drillers they were or something. Oil, like oil rig workers, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how you do it. Just send them up there. They'll, they'll figure it out. But we've got a number of questions along the lines of this one, which comes from Rambo. Would you rather Spurs win the Champions League, and he's got pain emoji, and Arsenal finish third and win the Europa League, or Spurs lose to Ajax? And Arsenal finished sixth and trophyless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say, well, I, I think was thinking I'm about take this. the trophy and I'm just going to go on holiday. <gasps> no, really? Really? Because I was thinking about this. I was thinking, how much could I bear for it not to happen? I, I, like for that just, not to happen. It's horrible, isn't it? Like it makes me really uneasy. You know, I know deep down that the likelihood of it is slim, but it still makes me really, really, really uneasy. Um, and the VAR stuff the other night didn't help my heart at all. Uh, with there, the- is, there is a bit of me that kind of feels like a really genuinely painful defeat in the final would be a hilarious way to sign off football for the summer. And we could all enjoy that for months and months. So I'm willing to allow them to get to the final. But then then it has to be really, really painful for them. Um, mm. Somehow VAR messes up like it's not available and a decision goes against them. Oh, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want them to have like if that horrible uh, situation occurs, I don't want them to have any 
kind of like, well, you know, if if VAR (laughs) had been doing its job properly, you know, we would actually be the Champions League holders or whatever. Uh, You know, I don't want them to get to to that final. But if they do, I want them to get beaten about 8-0. You know, I was thinking, like, what, what would I bear? What would I endure to prevent them from winning the Champions League? And I have to tell you, it's a lot. It's a lot. Wow. Arsenal wow. finished sixth. Okay. Arsenal finished trophyless. Okay. Lose the Europa League final to make sure. Okay. I, I just, I think I would hate that more than I would enjoy winning the Europa League. Is yeah. that small and petty and well, awful? I, but I, I, you know, I, I can't help how I feel. It's... It's the, t- it's the timeline of it all, really, that kind of gets to me because, you know, you- <laughs> this is ridiculous, <laughs> De- debating hypothetical situations. But um, if Spurs went out in the semi-final, there's still a fairly good chance that we could be in the final, could, you know, and then we'd have to go through a whole load of pain. So do I want them to get to the final and then suffer more? I don't, I, I don't know. I just don't know. I just Obviously, I don't want them to win. I, I can basically turn a blind eye to Liverpool winning it because I've lived through Liverpool winning European trophies before. It's fine. Like, you know, get, we'll get over it again. Um, I'm glad that City can't win the quadruple. Um, I kind of hope, I know you don't agree with me on this, but I hope City beat Liverpool to the league title. But yeah. Spurs winning anything, I don't know. I just, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's horrible, isn't it? I don't think I'd ever want to go to Madrid ever, ever again, which is where the final is being held. It would be so polluted. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is awful. Let's uh, let's talk about something else, because even the idea of it is making me feel a little bit queasy. Uh, yeah. Rajko, Rajko, no, it's not Rajko, sorry, Rajko, who says, would you rather have the away or home leg first? I don't care, but we're well, away I'm- second, so um, there yeah. we go. Uh, Love Genberg or Love Genberg says, is the red, red shirt and shorts combination the worst kit we've ever played in? While Mamos, the Norwegian gooner, says, I know you shouldn't fuck with history, but honestly, how nice do all those uh, all red kits look? Your thoughts about changing our shorts to red permanently? There you go. The, uh, the, uh, the range of opinion among football fans. It's the worst ever, or he wants to change 100 years of history or however, however long it's been <laughs> since we started playing in, in white shorts. In my opinion, the worst kit we've ever played in is the one that we lost to Bradford in, that ridiculous purple hooped and black hoop shirt. It just didn't make sense to me, that shirt. The current third kit... I think that's the worst one. ...toothpaste kit is fucking shit as well. That can fuck off and burn. The red shorts, admittedly, they look relatively smart, but that's like a one-off occasion. Like, you don't wear black tie every day, right? It's nice once in a while, but you, you know, save it for the odd occasion. Well, you do if you're that guy from uh, Third Rock from the Sun. Not Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, 30 Rock. Alec oh, Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Is, and uh, Liz Lemon comes into the office and he's standing there in a tuxedo and she goes, why are you in a tuxedo? He goes, it's six o'clock, Lemon. What am I, a farmer? Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I do take I do take your point. Um, I, I have to say it's kind of all right, but it's just a little bit too Liverpooly or something. Mm. It doesn't quite look right. There's a novelty value to it, and I'm fine with that. But like, not ongoing. Thank you very much. Haven't we worn some weird ones in the past? Remember, did we play a game? 
in the Champions League at Wembley where we wore maybe it was at Highbury. We I can't remember. The, we wore the blue shirt with blue white, shirt with white, white shorts. Yeah, yeah, white shorts. Yeah. We wore blue shorts with a red shirt away at was it Fenerbahce? I believe it was a I Turkish. Yeah, I think it was, it was a Turkish, Turkish game that we, yeah. we 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 played and we wore some weird combinations. We always used to wear the. The weird yellow shorts with yellow shirts, which made us look like ridiculous bananas. We we wore them in Barcelona once, did we? Or no? Uh, no, we wore white shorts with a yellow shirt when we drew one all there. That was the Suka and Suka goal, I think it was. Or it was Canu scored the goal? Yeah, Canu scored the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we have worn some weird combinations, but I mean, obviously that combination. What what the hell were you wafer thinking when Spurs wore their kit against City? Like it was ridiculous the clash there. Absolutely. I was looking at it and I thought, surely the white shirts and they could wear some other kind of shorts would be yeah. far better instead of this weird thing. But yeah. yeah, whatever. OK, so we've got no consensus here on these shorts. Just, you know, stick with stick with uh, tradition as much as possible. And, uh, you know, we welcome Adidas, our new kit making overlords from next season. And there's talk of the bruised banana away yeah. kit and you know three stripes on the home kit red and white very nice the third kit that we wear this the the one we wore at um did we wear that at watford the other night it's just so horrible you know um yeah. I mean, it's just it's it I, it has no redeemable re- redeeming features at all the color mm. shit the design is just a bit meh right yeah meh, meh, yeah yeah rubbish they probably said that in the Pume offices. This is a bit nah, but, you know, why would fuck we it, waste a good it. idea? So, well, I'll deal with them in soon, so just give them shit. Yeah, like, give them anything. Give them that one. It's a bit yeah. nah. Yeah. Okay, uh, Mark T. Drynan, books with no words. Successful short corners by Arsenal. Really starting to annoy me. So predictable. Why, why, why? Well, I mean, there must be something around trying to drag players out of the box. I don't know. I mean, we're... <laughs> I, I I do wonder whether this is one of those things that all football fans think their team take the worst corners. Um, I don't think we're the worst at it, but mm. it, it is weirdly annoying when you send defenders up and commit numbers to a situation and then the two players who faff around with it by the corner flag don't get the ball in the box. Do, do you know who really, really gets annoyed at that? Tell me. The defenders. <laughs> <laughs> I can it's tell you 70 yards back to goal. Is this something ex- that happens in your Sunday league team? Well, yeah, it, it has done in the past. There is nothing worse than making your, your way all the way up the pitch for them to either take a shit corner or a terrible short corner. And you're going, I'm, I'm just, I came all the way up here. I yeah. ran all the way. And I have to get all the way back. You fuckers. Without even giving me a chance. I'm telling you, you know, maybe we should get Socrates to, uh, to sort them out. Um, Druva says, with recent rumours linking Koulibaly to Arsenal and having watched him play against us in both legs, are you impressed with him? If we sign him, do you think he will have a Van Dyke-esque effect at Arsenal? One, I don't think we'll sign him. Two, I don't. I haven't really been impressed with him at all, actually, over the first uh, these two games. I mean, I'm sure he's he's been doing stuff in, in, in Serie A, but... I watched him in the first leg a bit more close than I did tonight. It's always kind of hard when you're doing the match report to kind of really focus in on specific players. But um, in the first leg, there were three or four occasions where he just hacked the ball away without really kind of having any sense of where his goalkeeper was. Mm. And I was kind of like, 
this guy this guy doesn't seem to have the kind of calming effect that like when you look at van dyke and everyone just goes oh yeah fuck it van dyke will sort it out it'll take it down and do 500 kick-ups and then play a 30 yard ball on the volley to some great player on their wing or something mm. you know Kulabali looks much more like i'm just going to get the fucking ball out i mean he's obviously like he's a unit he looks physically imposing and he looks like you want a center back to look, but I haven't necessarily seen anything. He's got a 150 million pound buyout clause or something. 150 I mean, million. Like, come or on. Maybe it's euros, but I mean, either way, I mean, like you're not going to spend that on that. That's five times our budget anyway. Yeah. Um, I haven't been as impressed as I thought I was going to be, but that was true of, of Napoli in, in general. Yeah, true. Um, he did have a very good part to play in that break that they made uh, in the first half, which Czech, I think, saved when the guy actually got a shot on target. Was it Callejon who mm. got the shot on target, who spent the rest of the game just crossing the ball out of play or shooting wildly <laughs> out of the stadium? Yeah. I, were you a bit surprised about the, the emptiness of the stadium? I mean, I, I saw people posting pictures. Of, I mean, the stadium really looks like a shithole for a start. I mean, like, I know that we're we, we're very lucky with what we've got, and it's all very kind of glossy mm. and whatnot. But um, I wonder whether their, their fans all just go and squeeze up into some other sections, because mm. obviously that lower tier looks like the view must be pretty bad. You know, it's the same as West Ham. You've got an athletics track all the way around it. And I don't think they're particularly precious about making people sit in the specific seats when they show their tickets. So I think they probably just squeeze up into wherever else. I didn't see what the official attendance was tonight. But, um, yeah, I mean, it looks a bit weird on TV, doesn't it? You think, oh, cauldron atmosphere, you can hear it all. But actually the first 15 rows all the way around are empty. It does look a bit odd. Yeah. It was a bit strange. Uh, I don't know what the attendance was. Do they do that anymore? In match reports? Let me have a look here. I'm just looking at the BBC. Uh, no. No, it doesn't say. Um, There's usually someone on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, who will know? Attendance watch. Yeah, that's what I'm typing in now. Jay Takezo, Jay underscore Takezo. Please just do a voiceover of what you think Socrates Master of the Dark Arts was saying to Koulibaly when he had his face in his hands. What was he saying? <laughs> you're, you're, you're a beautiful man. You're a very beautiful man. Don't worry, it's an accident. He stepped on your face by accident. Don't worry, don't worry. This is the worst Socrates impression anybody's ever made. Come back with me after game. We, we, I show you how Greek love works. It's great. I, 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 I speculated that he was speaking Italian, given that he'd been in... Italy for a few years, Socrates, so he would have been able to. But thinking about it, it probably wasn't. But he definitely was doing the kind of Italian pinchy finger thing. But I think maybe Socrates just just does that anyway. He kind of likes that emotional. Yeah. Hey, what's the matter with you? Kind of thing. That was terrible. <laughs> that was really terrible. So, so I've already offended Italians this evening um, on Twitter. Have but, you? Yeah. Okay. Some bloke called me out saying I shouldn't say rude things about Italians. I thought it was quite witty what I said, but okay. Well, you know, you've got to listen to people when they give you the feedback. You know, I'm yeah, sure it's, of course, I'm sure it's it meant with the, uh, with the best of intentions, I'm sure. Uh, KT Football, a couple more before we go. KT Football, where does this Koscielny season rank in his uh, career at Arsenal? His resurrection this season has been nothing short of astonishing. And here we are at Easter talking about the resurrection of Koscielny for his is the kingdom, the glory and the light forever and ever Amen. Uh, anyway, KT Football goes on to say, I can't help but feel he's playing at as high a level as he ever has for us. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard to... 
I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree. I mean, the level that he's come back to. I mean, when we watched that documentary about his recovery and everything, mm. and a couple of the guys in the medical team said we wouldn't be surprised if he came back to the level he was at and more. I think because he actually, by having the surgery, fully solved the problem which had been bugging him for so much at the tail end of last season and actually probably for the season and a bit before, you know, this, you know, issue mm. um, that he was nursing. It was obviously playing on his mind, whereas now he can just play freely. And obviously he seems to have kind of come out the other side of this injury with a, a slightly more rounded person, sort of able to kind of, he, feel, he looks like a calmer person, more of a leader. I mean, he was always quite stern on the pitch and didn't really say much, but he looks like he's kind of even more of an inspirational figure for people these days than he was before, that's for sure. Yeah, he, I, I, one of the things I've noticed is his... Um I guess he's had to modify his game a little bit because he was always a very aggressive defender, liked to play in the front foot, liked to get mm. in there and nick the ball. And I think he's come to the realization that, you know, even just being 33, he can't play that way anymore. His reading of the game now is superb. Mm. You know, his positional play, he's in the right place most of the time for for headers. Um, you know, it's it's fantastic to see the way he's been able to adapt, you know, because I do think there have got to have been some physical side effects, you know, when you when you have that kind of a traumatic injury at the age he had it. And, you know, it was less than a year ago um, when it happened. So, you know, I think his ability and his intelligence and the, the way he's adapted to, to having to play in a different way. Um, plus, I just guess his endurance and his robustness and his uh you know his physical capability to play the games that we need him to play uh during this hectic period uh, has been fantastic it's kind of why mm. i think he's got to sit out the game on sunday because we've got to give him a rest yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean given that he said that he was you know close to leaving last season under arsene wenger or when arsene went and he's got one more year on his contract what do you do? Just let him see out next season and yeah. then leave on his own terms? Or? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so. You know, when you think or when you look around at what's out there from a central defensive point of view, um, I think having him in the squad is 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 beneficial. And if we've got young, talented central defenders who who still could do with some education and some guidance. You know, we're, we're, I include Rob Holding in that, but mm. also Mavropanos, who's somebody who, who needs to develop and needs to learn. You know, to have a, a great educator at the club is is uh, is a very good thing. So, yeah, I would keep him. I would keep him. I mean, what do you get in term for, for a transfer fee for Koscielny? Unless, like, he gets an amazing offer and he wants badly to go home back to France and play one more season and we we feel like we want to do the right thing by him you know financially it doesn't make any sense for us to take whatever a million quid yeah, or I two mean, million no, quid. I mean if it was me I'd, I'd probably even give him another year but I get the feeling that he might want to do something else before he leaves Arsenal but at the same time I feel like maybe that he would have given off that vibe this season because mm. he'd be kind of winding down to a, a potential departure and when you're club captain you kind of feel like you kind of make a big deal of that but um yeah i don't know i've just been very impressed by him i just um i think just as a as a, as a man he's just such a quiet and diligent leader like he seems like and he loves accordions as well 
He do, he does love accordions. I'm not a fan of accordions. Really? No. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, look when you when you live in uh, Barcelona and you take the metro in Barcelona, and every time you take the metro, there's some fucking guy doing the. <laughs> uh, doing the accordion and singing that Besame, Besame Mucho song. Um, it's like, oh, no, I can't deal with fucking any more accordions. Also, when you sit down outside at a bar or a cafe, some fuckers with an accordion, they always come up as well. So I'm quite, <laughs> I'm quite accordion averse. Um, okay. But, it, you know, I respect the fact that he gave a load of his own money to save an accordion factory in his hometown, whatever it was. Yeah. You know, the commitment to his accordion love is something I can respect, even if I don't necessarily uh, dig the instrument uh, itself. Okay, one final question here, and this comes from Brian Regan09, who says, How much of this tie or result is down to Unai Emery's past experience in this competition? The management of the tie was fantastic. I feel like if this was Wenger's Arsenal, we may not have made it through. A lot of people were saying Napoli were poor, but I'd, I'd argue... We frustrated them and made them look poor. And I think there's an element of truth to that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to say. Like, I mean, I'd, I'd rather not make comparisons at this point directly with Arsene because obviously what Arsene did over his time was, you know, he, he had a little bit of everything over 22 years. You know, we made it to a European final. We also went out in ridiculous games and played very badly in some some games away from home. Um, what I would say is just that I really like that Emery seems to be quite calm and quite defined and decisive about what it is that he wants to do. And he seems to have a plan or at least he's giving off that air. And I'm it, you know, at this point it feels like the players are buying into that. And, you know, right from the off at the beginning of the season, when we were told that the players are being made to train harder and become more robust and there was going to be a work ethic. I kind of feel like we're seeing that work ethic, still coming through and the fact that it's still coming through at this point of the season is really really important mm. okay i think that's fair enough um you know he he does have a, a track record in this competition he does know mm. how to win knockout games yeah. um he has managed more europa league games than anybody else in history um whether that's something that reflects on him as a manager it's kind of hard to say because you know he's he's still in a, in the relatively early stages of a managerial career, isn't he? He's not that old, Unai Emery. He's 49, 48, 49. Right. Okay. So he's still got a good few years to go. So um, yeah, look, he knows what he's doing in this competition. That's for sure. Mm. Um, I mean, I thought I, I I managed to catch some of Ancelotti's post match comments, and he was very like very impressed by Arsenal. I think. I mean, he was disappointed by his own team, and particularly by the way they played in the first leg. But yeah. you know, that's that's a man who kind of he knows his football, and he seemed to be speaking pretty earnestly about you know what he saw about Arsenal. Yeah, mm. he knows how to do it, doesn't he? In the in the Champions, Champions League. League, that's for sure. Okay, well, look, um, we will leave it there um for now and thank you very much for staying up so late to have the chats with me about uh the game against napoli and all the other stuff um you can find andrew on twitter at a allen sport uh and also of course over on Ars blog news doing all the stuff that he does there which is uh painting his nails mm. i saw i saw that emoji Vote, voting for other websites in the FBA awards. I, I noticed that as well. That's... Yeah, get, getting the school line wrong on the match reports. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Ever the professional. But look, I appreciate the time. We'll, we'll uh, catch you soon. Catch you later.
Thank you very much indeed to Andrew. Also, I should point out, for health and safety reasons, that if you do encounter a fire, do not do what David Bowie did and put the fire out with gasoline. It does absolutely nothing to extinguish a fire. In fact, in fact, it exacerbates the fire. It makes it worse. David Bowie, what were you thinking, you crazy guy? Right, look, I think... uh, I'm going to leave it there for this morning because I'm anxious to get this podcast out and give everybody something to listen to. We do have a game against Crystal Palace on Sunday, of course. I think there are going to be changes. We talked about that a little in the podcast, but we can touch on that on the blog over the weekend. You can read it, of course, at arsblog.com. Keep up with all the latest news at arsblog.news, all the team news and injury news and everything else. And, of course, if you want to support what we're doing as well as getting lots more content, lots of podcasts, and the Arsecast ad-free, which you can get now by being an Arsblog member on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Arsblog, a fiver a month and you get access to all that stuff. We will have an Arsecast Extra on Monday, myself and James hopefully looking back on a win over Crystal Palace on Sunday. Let's keep fingers crossed for that. In the meantime, what other way is there to end the show but with a classic from the 80s with a vaguely fire-related theme? I'll leave you with this particular earworm. Until the next one, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yeah.